This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You are listening to the Blockade Pinball Podcast. I am your host, Chris Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me, as always, halfway across the world, Jared Morgan. Hello, Chris. So, it's been a week. It has been a week, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know if you've ever come across this problem. <laughs> I'm sure many people have. But uh, I usually come across it as we're getting ready to set up the, the podcast or immediately after because I happen to have YouTube open. Yes. And I don't normally, I mean, unless I'm looking for something specific, I don't normally just hang out on YouTube, right? But yeah. inevitably, the splash page pops up and it goes, you might be interested in this video. And odds are there's something that catches my eye. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So I click on that. And then the deep dive happens. <laughs> oh, it takes you down the rabbit hole. The YouTube oh rabbit hole is real, man. It's because real. It's, the, it's that sidebar of videos that as you're watching one video, you look and you go, oh, there's two others there that I'm kind of interested in. And then you click on that one, on one of those, and there's two more. And next thing you know, you've got this giant branching tree and it's been you know, uh-huh. three hours. <laughs> oh, I just did it before. Like Honestly, I went in and clicked on a, because I get my daily or my weekly digest from YouTube delivered to email to say, hey, look, you, these are not videos that you are subscribing to and you may like, and it sort of filters them to the top. I went, oh, cool. Well, you know, while I'm waiting for Chris to set up the podcast, I'll just listen to to this one, which was a rudimental, a new clip from Rudimental, which is a drum and bass act. Um, I went, cool. And then I went, oh, in the sidebar, they had um, a, a video that I'd watched before from a group called Sophie Tucker. And Sophie Tucker are the, um, the group that um, did the, um, I guess, the song for the first iPhone 10 commercial. Okay. Um, and it, it just it has this appeal to me, and I went, oh yeah, I watch that again too. And then just as you were starting up the podcast, I went down the rabbit hole to another video I watched previously, which was a really really good metal cover of Toto's Africa that sounds amazing. And then I had to stop <laughs> because you posted a link. I thought, oh no, I better I better not go any deeper. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> it's my, a slippery my... slope. My dive, uh, and and this kind of ties into what's going on with uh with the website and everything that we've got set up now. Uh, my dive happened with because I flipped it open and there was something about uh, Movie Pass, which is that card that I just yes. have now activated and uh, used this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was comparing between a Movie Pass and some other similar uh, monthly subscription base for seeing movies, which was a cin- Cinemia or something like that. I can't remember. I've never heard of it. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a, another you know, card. So I'm, I'm kind of watching this and the guy's you know, saying the pros and cons of whatever. And, and the quick overview, uh, just catch everybody up uh, with MoviePass. It's uh, $9.99 a month and you can see one movie per day. No 2D, no premium format. So okay. it's just basically your regular uh, format movies. And then the guy said with Cinemia that it was any format movie. So you can go IMAX, you can go 3D, you can go uh, you know wow. RPX, whatever. And you can go to virtually, he said he hasn't found a theater yet and he lives in LA. So he would really know. Uh, he hasn't found any of the big theaters yet that deny the card. No. And But it was 30 bucks a month Ooh. for for two tickets, but you could only go to three movies in a given month. Right. Which is, is one of those things where it's like, well, okay, again, depending on how much you're going to the movies and if you're really adamant, like, because like I say, when I say he lives in near LA, he really lives near LA proper where like, you know, Grandma's Chinese Theater and the Arc Light and these big giant premiere Theaters, like there's, like there's a theater on every corner, essentially. Like they're that common. Well, no, no, it's not that they're on every corner, but these are the <laughs> ones that they have movie premieres at. You know, these are the right. top-notch, mega expensive. You know, you're talking about some of these movies will uh, theaters will cost you twenty four bucks a ticket. Well, um, that's just for a regular movie. For regular, well, no, for like yeah. the three D version. You know, okay. so three you know, D and IMAX and we're talking gigantic screen, the best projection, you know, all that. So again, yeah. if you live near something like that, then that kind of card would make sense for it me. Would, yeah. I don't have any of those theaters within 30 miles of me. So I'm you not going to, to those. You want to get the card that actually allows you. No, I think you definitely, the card you got sounds like the right choice for you because it allows you yeah. 
pretty much access to as much movies as you could possibly handle. Like one exactly. movie a day, 365 movies a year, if you really want to get hardcore with it. That is a mission in itself. And there's not actually a, that many movies released a year. Um, so Well, that you can find. There actually is that many movies that are released, but they're limited release. No, they'll be in cinemas, but it's, oh, yeah? we're talking about we're talking about art house cinemas. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So you know where it's been released on three screens across the country. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, right. yep. you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So for your major releases, you're only ever getting usually two to three major releases per week, if even that. Uh, right. So yeah, but uh, so anyway, where the the deep dive started coming up, and I've been seeing articles lately, was on the side. People are, is it a scam? And I'm like, well, I just used mine for the first time this week and it worked perfectly fine. So no, it's mm. not a scam. But they're starting, people are like, well, it's an unsustainable business model. I'm like, who cares? I already have mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not up to me to sustain their business model. It's just up to me to use it while it's available. Um, Correct. Yeah. And and then it was, uh, well, if you read the, the fine print of the agreement, you know, the user agreement, I'm like, they're just covering their butts. You know, it's it's like you're looking for absolute horrible reasons, you know, kind of thing. And it's just kind of yeah. it's, it's rather, rather amusing seeing what people get themselves worked up over so that they I don't know if they're trying to talk people out of it or or what feel better about themselves. I guess. I don't know. And then I'm like, wait, maybe you, work, maybe you work for the movie theaters. I don't know. Um, well, you know, and, and one of the things that uh, because it is. Technically, it's an unsustainable business model. Because yeah. they are paying the theater when you when you say I'm going to go see this particular movie, you select it on the app. They put the funds in to pay the full ticket price to the movie theater. Oh, okay. So already this month, I've seen three movies. Therefore, they're already out twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from, know, the nine, from the nine from from the month. initial nine that I that I forked over, right? Yeah, but what right. they're hoping for, and I get this, is a people are going to buy it. And then, like a gym membership, not Forget use it. To use it. Yep. Why would you do that? That's crazy business. But it's, I mean, it's certainly a gym membership. Who cares about that? But we're talking about <laughs> you know movies here. That yeah, but no, but I mean, but I mean, a gym membership. You go ahead. You put your you know typically you're putting down a giant deposit. You're also mm. paying for your first month last month, and then you have your monthly fee for the gym membership. So right off the bat, you're plunking down a layout of cash that is all theirs. And if you never mm -hmm. show up again, they could care less, you know? Yeah. So I, I get that there's a little bit of that. What they've also talked about that they're probably uh, going to be doing is selling user data. In other words, yeah. uh, what movies they're seeing, what, uh, you know, how often are they going to which I kind of go, you know what, what do you think Netflix does? What do you think? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Anything what do you think your satellite Anything exactly. What do you think your satellite them? company yeah. does? Yeah, it, it's going to look at your viewing habits, you know, and everybody freaks out about that. And I'm like, but you're not freaking out about, you know, every time you Google? go on Facebook. Yeah. Right. Google. Gee. I mean, it's. <laughs> They're much worse. And, and it, you know, and, and, and I'm just kind of like, and hey, if it makes it so that they put out more movies that I'm interested in, isn't that better? Um, Seems fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I just laugh at people getting uh, worked up over things. Oh, over this, yeah, much to do about nothing, really. Um, Which, if you ever head over to the Pinball Arcade Fans uh, website, you quite often see much to do about nothing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Boy, do you ever. <laughs> yes, it's, it's so pretty despite, much what the, what the forums field on, really. Yeah, despite having Norman on uh, two podcasts ago, there are still people on the forum going, so is there going to be a season eight? Well, Norman pretty much expressly said there will be yes. more tables after season seven. So, you know, folks, it's not dead. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you could misconstrue that, but anyhow, keep on, keep you know, on do, going down the path. Right. Then you had a, uh, uh, there's been some really, and, and I always laugh that people use the forum as if they're speaking directly to Farsight. Yes. Um, it's like, you realize this is well, like fan forum. It says it in the title. Like this is yes. not a Farsight yes. support forum. So there's been a couple it's of like recent rants that uh, that new users have posted 
to which I automatically go, wait a second, this is your first post and you're going off on a, you know, 10 paragraph rant against the company. Mm. Mm, way to worm yourself up into the uh, forum here. Um, and then I also sit there and go, and if you had have read any of the threads that have gone on over the past five years that the website has been around, maybe you would have come across some of the very answers <laughs> that you're complaining no, about. Because searching is really hard, Chris. And it like is. it's much easier to just like write a tirade um <laughs> in, in your um in your web editor than it is to actually do some searching and research. You like really, like it's it's much easier. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. so. Uh, <laughs> so there, there hasn't really been a lot of uh, uh, pinball news. Pinball news, if you will. Yeah, um, I was thinking that we were going to get Sorcerer this week. We didn't. Um, it's going to be coming out next week. They did do the Twitch stream of yeah. it. I didn't happen to watch, but uh, I know that's right around the corner for us to to see. Yeah. And uh, and then of course when that comes out, then we'll get the newsletter, which I already know what the next table is myself. So I was thinking, oh, we could talk about that today, but fail because the newsletter and Sorcerer didn't come out, so we don't get to talk about that. So that'll be all yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably come out tomorrow. Like, so you know, we'll be <laughs> we'll be well and surely, yeah. Well, look, at least it'll be in the, the next week that we talk about it, but it'll yeah. be <laughs> the, the later half of the week that it was. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. And, what are you going to do? And then it's it's. Uh, you know, obviously, Zen hasn't had anything. Um, I mean, they which they, is to be expected, I guess, because they've just sort of done a big well, release. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because so. I mean, they they hit us with five tables in the span of two and a half months. So mm. <laughs> they they, they kind, really of, kind of blow, blow the load essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's time what? for. I reckon probably it's going to happen around. Maybe March, I reckon. We might see a trickle of another table through. Maybe, yeah. Mm, I'm thinking. Yeah. Nice. So we'll see what nice. I need I need yeah. more tables to play. Um we <laughs> so these weekly uh, Zen tournaments that we've been hosting. Uh and if you want to join in on any of the Zen pinball tournaments, you just go into Pinball FX3 and you go into tournaments and do a search under search put shut your traps. And one of my, uh, the tournament that I'm running that week should pop up. And mm-hmm. we've been getting roughly about 30, 35 players a week. So it's, it's fun that way. And uh, seeing a lot of regulars coming back. So there is a little bit of, uh, certainly a little bit of competition <laughs> that's brewing. Um, I, that's my, what we my, saw. And yeah. That's, that's you really know, what we saw when we were running it ourselves and doing, doing the exactly. whole, you know, table of the week. Like there were and regular so, players. Yeah. So, so this week we were, this past week we were playing Alien Isolation, uh, one ball with, uh, user choice for passive awards and the rewind, uh, was locked in for the wizard, uh, goal or not the goal, the, the, the wizard, wizard, uh, bonus activation, mm-hmm. however you want to call it. Um, and I, I felt very possessive as as I was like, no, nobody's going to beat me on this table. I like this mm. table, so no, I'm I can run this. Not. I can run this like a track meet. No one's going to have this. Well, that's the thing. I can't run it like a track meet, but I'm like, I'm not going to let anybody else run it on me. And so I gave it a good go. And and real early on in the week, I posted a decent score, and that held for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, the uh, uh, this one user, Nimbly, who is always right there up at the top, he poached my score by, I don't know, maybe 40 million. And I was like, no, not going to let that sit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I hammered into this thing and, uh, uh, wound up able to, uh, pass him by, uh, a nice solid 35 million points. And, uh, and I did that as the tournament ended. So there was no hope of anybody beating me. So I sniped that score out. <laughs> nice uh, shot. <laughs> But what I was, what I was kind of, because people are, I don't like doing survival tournament because I don't, it doesn't let you learn the table. It doesn't, no. uh, basically all you're doing is just flipping for your life and hoping to get a score. There's like next to no uh, strategy involved as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, there is a little bit, but it becomes frustrating really quick. So I don't tend to do those, but I know some people like them. So what my thought process is, is maybe... Pick a table 
that do a like a one day tournament with it in survival mode. And then mm-hmm. the next day do a one day tournament in five minute mode. And then maybe do following that a three day tournament in one ball mode. And then a, yeah, I don't know, just like play it for two weeks, basically the same table, but have yeah. a whole bunch of mini tournaments on so it. The theme, so you can, you're setting a theme and then you're within that theme, you're creating a set of different play modes within the theme of the table. Yeah. And then see if anybody can run the table, if you will, on all the tournaments uh, oh, re- regarding yeah. it. Uh, you know, so just have like a, essentially a, a table Olympics where you have right. to get, <laughs> yeah. go, go through all who's the, good at the sprint, so. who's good at the marathon. Um, yep. so I don't, I'm, I'm kind of debating on whether to do that or not. And then it becomes an issue of, well, which table do you pick? Um, it's gotta be a table that you don't mind spending that much time on, mm. but it's also gotta be a table that offers up challenges with each of those within each of those modes. Um, so I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm debating. Like Star Wars tables come to mind here because they're accessible and you can really get into them. You can really get into them, but they don't really lend themselves well to say survival mode. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? I don't know. They, it's things where I'm just trying to figure out uh, what to pick. You know, or do you go with something like, you know, you pick Moon Knight, which, Nobody knows what the heck is going on with Moon Knight and really deep dive that thing, you know? That's true. Uh, you, that might be the approach that you need to take. It might be, I just need to pick a really strange table that I would think doesn't actually work well. And then I might find that, you know, what actually does work quite well for this yeah, format. I don't know. Yeah. You might have to actually do something that doesn't feel right to actually make it feel right. <laughs> If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I tell you what, though, man, I really do wish that this tournament mode was in create your own tournament was in TBA. Oh, uh, yeah, because I would I would love to dive back into some of the tables and compete against people. It would just be fun. Oh, yeah, even um, if it was make your own challenge, like even if they adapted the challenge menu, which I never go into anymore. Uh, well, I never really went into the start with. To be perfectly honest with you, like you know, go through the manufacturer. Um, tables. Oh, and that's a slog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, why? Like, that would be fine if you just said, all right, so set it to one ball and then, you know, uh, have a score challenge if you want or, you know, some other thing that you could do easily without having to regenerate ROM code, which is the barrier at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for them to do like a, the sort of modes that, um, or on Zen, they'd have to make a, a ROM set for each one of those types. So, you know, for each table in the game, uh, that would be close to three or 400 different ROM sets that they'd need to maintain um, at the moment. So that would be a punishment for them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, I would be just happy with you are able to set up your own tournament just like you can mm-hmm. in Zen so that people can come and play, you know, so long as they know what the tournament is, they can come in and play with it. It that tournament generates its own leaderboards only for as long as the tournament is running. As soon as the tournament mm-hmm. is over, uh, everybody gets their basically what happens with Zen because uh, I know that you don't know this with how it, it sets up is when you go into the tournaments tab, it'll all of a sudden pop up. Hey, this tournament is finished, and it'll show you what the final leaderboard is. As right. soon as you click OK, poof, it's gone. Now you can go right. actually back and find tournaments that you've played in and, and reread all the the leaderboards. Mm-hmm. But more or less, it's it's there and then it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but to do that so that then you're it's quick and easy. There's no hassle. It's not you're not using the current leaderboards, which would be a nightmare to try and invite people in and then try and figure out who's playing. Yeah, no, that ain't gonna happen. Oh, terrible. And the other way was what we were doing in the past, where it was like, okay, everybody, you're gonna have to post your score on the website. And then I'm going to have to compare the scores and see who came out on top. You know, it's now you're dealing with uh, the honor system, if you will. Yeah. And Zen has completely eliminated all of that. And then the fact that they're able to put in these parameters, which I know you're right, it would be virtually impossible using the ROM sets that uh, TPA Mm. is limited by. Uh, But you're correct. It would be kind of cool to maybe 
you could still do a five minute tournament. There's no doubt about that. And you can anything do a one ball. They can, I think anything they can do one ball would be fine. Yeah, they could. They could just yeah. intercept the well, wrong I mean, code. I know, they, I know the that they can do it because that's what they currently have set up as an option in the uh, the current head to head. You can pick one ball. So I know you can do one ball and uh, you can do five minute tournament. And honestly, I think that would be probably enough. That'd be enough. The one ball, five or one ball, a regular three ball and a time tournament. And uh, let us run. And then then you could iterate from there as you work out what things, what formats are more popular. You could add extra options in. Yeah. it, it, It brings, it makes the users responsible for content, if you will. Uh, yeah, that's right. Instead of instead of TPA or Farsight having to be the ones to come up with, okay, what kind of tournament were you going to run this week? No, you let your your users figure it out, and they just go and have their own fun. You know, uh, Zen is still putting out a tournament a week or actually two at least a week, um, and running those at all times. But then you go through the list, and there is just a bazillion tournaments going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go ahead and pick your own. So I don't know. I just it's one of those things I think would be. Uh, It'd be cool. It would get me back into you know chomping at the bit whenever there was a new table coming out. Whenever yeah, uh, you know, looking through all the old tables, you know, I'm back to having a whole collection of tables that I barely cracked the wizard goals on. Uh, yeah, so that's right. You know, it's one of those things. I just it would be, it'd be cool. I'd like it. Yeah, I'm very going to happen, but I'm at the moment with TPA, and I'm very much sort of. I, I do the beta. I, I have a look for things in the beta. And honestly, I I just haven't touched the other tables very much at all um, yeah. after that. I'm really just there for the beta, doing the testing. And then I usually don't open the app very much. Uh, <laughs> it's bad, but it, it just seems to be the way it is at the moment. I'm actually, I'm actually looking at different, different games at the moment. Um, and I found this very interesting one that's not even pinball related that's really capturing my attention at the moment it's a it's a very it's a bit like um has the um the physics of and the inertia of um asteroids but okay. you're actually you're actually around these racetracks um and the the thing that's different about this game is that you can actually get more power if you if you go really close to the walls, you can actually propel off the walls and speed up. So it's basically this drifting game using it around the theme of data packets. So it's, um, I have to forget the name of it, but I'll just go to quickly to my phone now and look it up. Cause I think it's, it's on all, all mobile platforms. Um, and it's called, I think, I don't think it was called voxel run, but it's called uh, data wing. Um, it's by, one of the guys who was from Half Brick Studios here in Brisbane, and um, he set up this game. It's free, completely free, no IAP, no nothing. It's just a side project of his that he was really passionate about, and he just made it because he wanted to. And um, it's a really good game for free. Cool. Um, so I would absolutely recommend you get on that because it's it's fun. And it takes a bit of while to get used to the the controls, which are basically just rotate left, rotate right, and break. That that's it with the okay. whole game. But if you're a bit of a computer nerd, I think probably Heretic would actually really quite like this one <laughs> if he's listening. Um, it actually gets you to unlock certain levels by doing um, um, binary uh, binary puzzles. Um, so you have to get the bits right. Um, in the binary code to actually unlock the level. So he'd totally lose his mind over that. So, <laughs> so if you're listening here, I think it's right up your alley, mate. You should give it a go. Yeah. There was a game that... Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to go way back in the time machine mm-hmm. here. So back in uh, 1990... Uh, actually, it'd be 90... Yeah, 1991, right around there. Uh, I was entering college, and I bought my first computer, which was a Mac SE. So this is one of those all-in-one white boxes with the 90 screen, Uh, you know, floppy drive built right in. Nothing you could change on this thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. No internet whatsoever because internet wasn't invented. Well, to the public wasn't available yet. Uh, And so I got that and I was like, I want to play a game. 
So I asked my buddy who he was the person that I always went over to his house to play games at. I said, what should I get? And he was like, oh, you've got to get this game called, I think it was called Orion. Mm. I was like, okay, what's this? And he's like, it's, it's a tank game. I'm like, okay. And he's like, you, you build, you like code your own tank and then you put it on the wharf on the, the, the battlefield and it follows all of your code and, oh, and, I remember you talking and, about this. and shooting this thing. I'm like, okay, episode. sounds great. <laughs> this bloody game. Oh oh. And, then, and then, and then the reason why this popped up into my head is because I actually found, <laughs> I still have the printout of the code. Oh, really? Um, with me. Yeah. If I'll, I'll, I'll say my piece. You can fill some time and I'll find it real quick and I'll show it to those that uh, see the video. Okay. Just so they yeah. can, they can see, but it winds up being uh, you literally coding the tank and typing in if then statements. And, <laughs> you know, if you come across this object, then you need to turn this you know, degree. And it was so not the game for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I think even my most basic of tanks was like four pages worth of, of code, right? Oh. And my buddy had one that was something like 70 some pages. Oh. <laughs> His could like somehow go underground. And I, I don't know. It was just he, bonkers. Yeah, he just went. Uh, and, 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 and so that's why when, when anybody mentions coding or if I ever had any interest in coding, I pretty much can resolutely say, nope, didn't never had even the slightest inkling and approved it by when trying to do it even in a game format and I couldn't have cared less. Uh, yeah. It just was frustration to me. So, well, okay, Jared, fill some time. I'm going to find it. It'll take me just a moment. Okay, no worries. Well, while Chris is off um, hunting around for a piece of paper, um, I did actually find, you might remember in the last episode, I hinted at doing more pinball on Google Play. And um, I thought, well, okay, I'll go and do a search for pinball on Google Play and I'll see what is out there. And there's actually some titles now that that kind of don't suck, um, which is kind of in, in some ways disappointing because the, the sucky ones were the fodder for pinball on Google Play for sure. Um, oh, here comes, a, here comes a wild Chris. He's back again with a, a big sheet of paper, and uh, we will go and listen to him. Okay, I'm back. All right, so <laughs> I have in front of me, uh, in lovely dot matrix printing, the the sheet here, and when I fold it out, so this gets output from the game. Yeah, you uh, yes. So you game. print this out uh, from the game. And it's all your coding that, uh, mm. that you're able to do. And so, I mean, it's things like uh, start, do tank search, do attack tank, branch to start, and then under tank search, uh, DD flip DIR, scan for enemy tank. If enemy tank was found, then tank found. Rotate scanner left one, detect obstruction at take direction. If movement is obstructed, then change direction. Move forward one, branch to tank search. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so it was all the, you know, whatever that word was, then you had to define that word and what is, what is, you know, so uh, let's say you went to clear path. So clear path, you scan down here and it says, okay, if obstacle type equals six, then path block. If obstacle type equals two, then uh, path, I don't know what, fire weapon at obstruction. Wow. That's yeah. the driest game I think I've ever heard of oh, in my life. Oh my gosh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. It's like it's it, it's essentially. Hey, we've got this really great game idea. Code it for us, and that's the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the game. It's like that's the joke. <laughs> you know, and and I think oh. about this every single time. Uh, Farsight brought up the pinball editor, if you will. Oh yeah. Uh, pinball construction kit, and it's. It's one of those things where it's like, it sounds like it could be fun, but you have to design it in a way that is fun to use. And I don't trust people to do that. And that comes down to the whole uh, uh, visual pinball aspect of things yeah. where it becomes this massive amount of coding instead of just, you know, 
think of it think of it like what norman was talking about with that uh p what was it p3 uh mm. pinball system he was talking about yep. p rock yeah. essentially rock yeah we're essentially just dropping toys you know dropping items down and it automatically understands where these things are and you can get a pinball new pinball machine up and running relatively quickly it's not we're not talking mm. days it's maybe not even talking hours i don't know it, it might be an hour adventure of plugging it in and making sure it does all this checksums and then boom it's good to go and play right yeah as opposed to something like visual pinball where you're going to be on this thing for weeks before scripting you have out. any yeah scripting and, placing and, all your objects uh, and like working out your ball troughs and all that i remember going to edit mode on visual pinball and just seeing all the things I had to do to get things like ball troughs working and stage balls. I had to write custom code to actually yeah. support stage balls in the ball trough. Like, it's just like, oh, no way, man. It's just too much. Which, and, and what I would rather it be, and again, oh man, I'm just, I'm dating myself here, Jared. So mm. <laughs> there, there used to be a game system called the 3DO. 3DO, I remember the 3DO. Right? 3DO is pretty trick i liked it mm -hmm. especially like its controller which is a if i remember correctly it's kind of where playstation got their controller from initially mm -hmm. uh but 3do had a game on it and i want to say it was called the incredible machine or the impossible machine I'm, i can't remember what it was but it was always you need to get this ball from point a to point b and there would be mm -hmm. some walling or obstructions in the way and then you had over on the side menu all these different objects that you could use. And they we're talking, and they were fun objects. It was like trampoline and a vacuum cleaner and, and whatever. And it was a 2D based game that you put these, you dragged and dropped these objects onto the play field. And then you push run and it would drop the ball and then the ball would bounce and it would go through all these kind of Rube Goldbergian uh, yep. methods cool. to get to the end. And it was so fun because it was, everything was drag and drop. And you could mm -hmm. just drag and slightly, you know, and even the slightest movement would change the trajectory of these things. Yeah. But it wasn't, so there was enough variation on it to make it fun, but it wasn't so much variation to make it impossible and frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it, so we really struck this fine balance. And that's what I would want with a pinball editor is something that is, you know, oh, you want a ramp? Well, here's 20 different style of ramps that you could use. Just drag yes. and drop, put them in. Now push launch and watch the ball go, you know? <laughs> exactly. It would need to you be, want, essentially, they would need to basically go through their library of scanned objects that they have, all the, all the different tables they've digitized, and just take all the art off them and, yep. you know, just basically sanitize them so you didn't know which tables they were from, and then allow you to just like you say, drag and drop as an object onto the play field. And, and no concept of like, you know, stretching the ramp or shortening no. the ramp or whatever. It's just, here's the object that you're going to use, put it on and see how you go. And yeah. And then, then if you put another object near it, it would somehow automatically link, you know, together. Yeah. You know, in, in, in combined so that it would, the, the physics of it would, work without work. you having to go oh oh no i'm, I'm slightly off I an angle the ball that. is going the the wrong direction and you know yeah you want yeah. to be able to be just like boom 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 and then say once you got all your ramps or all your lanes then you're like okay well i need a sinkhole and put my little x here sinkhole here boom you know yep and then it has it, all the it guts right it, it puts, the, the, scoop, it puts the popper you know whatever yeah yeah it does all that it really does need to be like that and you think about uh, this I was just while you were away, I was um, talking about the whole looking around on pin um, on Google Play for pinball games that have been released yeah. since I last did pinball on Google Play, and it goes back to what we were talking about last episode, where it will be very easy for people who have never thought about pinball design before to get very frustrated with this very quickly. Like the yeah. whole, you know, you look at all the titles on on Google Play that have angles everywhere, you know. Yeah, like right 90 degree angles in a table. And, you know, there'd, there'd be so many of those tables being designed out there. You almost need like a, right, so this is your first table. Let's walk you through a street level design and how you can actually, you know, get that working. And then the next level after that in the, in the tutorials, right, all right, let's introduce some elevation to your play field and put on some ramps and maybe, you know, an extra, um, uh, wire form that allows your ball to travel up and then you know we're looking at mini play fields and then all this sort of stuff as well so 
you know, it, you, you could actually train yourself if they did it right and it would be, it, it would be hard to do this because it would be very costly to do this from a, a development perspective. But walking you through something from, hey, here is a, basically two flippers, two slingshots and three pop bumpers. There's your pinball table to, oh, look, here's something that looks a little bit like, you know, um, let's go with something really basically like taxi, for example, you know, and going to that level of game, you know, getting to that point and actually then working out, well, how then do you um, introduce scoring and, and the like, how do you even work out? So this thing, like say it's a pop bumper, you could select, okay, well, I drag and drop this pop bumper on and then it will score one of three options. And when you drop it, it'll go, well, how much would you like this thing to score? Would you like it to score 10 points, 100 or 1,000? And you could select the score um, based on like a, a drop-down list. And then that would actually help you build out a basic rule set for the game. So every time that pop bumper was activated, you will get 1,000 points. There you go. Like well, essentially, and you're essentially making an alphanumeric game. Yes. Uh, you know, not a DMD, deep dive, wizard no. goal, all that other kind of stuff. You make it an mm -hmm. alphanumeric, um, you know, at, at the top level and, you know, where the fun goes from that. And then you could uh, have things like, you could lock balls. You could have say, so with this sure. saucer, what do you want it to do? Do you want it to keep a ball locked or do you want it to spit it back out? And then if you have more than like two sources or two traps, on the table do you want to link this trap with that trap so that those two traps together when you shoot another one will then spit out the ball into multiple you, know, you could do basic multiples like that so basically you could build up what is essentially an if then else statement just using drop down menus and like because yeah, you know the the, the the problem is that people want to immediately the first thing they want to do is build the most complicated thing that they can yeah i want to build a taxi you know, right. Well, you already have like, taxi. So if yeah. you have, there's no need to recreate what is here. So you need to go the opposite tact, which is just make it fun to screw around and make these things. Basically um, experiment with it so you can make a total nuclear annihilation, you know, and, and, <laughs> right. and, just, and just screw around with table design until you find something. Hey, that this feels really good. I like this. Because there know, was, uh, there was the, the game Little Big Planet that uh, PlayStation mm -hmm. had that essentially lets you create all your own levels and everything. Mm -hmm. And even that it had so many options. And while it was relatively easy to build and construct with, you did have to have uh, a certain ability to do level design in order to make anything mm -hmm. that anybody actually wanted to play. Want to play. Yeah. And so you'd go through, you'd go through the, the communities and see what people made. And you can real quickly find out, hey, this person knows what the heck they're doing versus 99% of everybody else that didn't know what the heck they were doing. Yeah. Now, compare that with my son has a game for the, the Wii U that is Mario Maker. And it's designed oh, yeah. on Mario uh, levels. And they did a very interesting thing, which was they let you basically choose between doing an original like 8-bit Mario, or maybe it's probably 16-bit, mm -hmm. but 8-bit Mario, um, to doing the 32-bit uh, uh, Super Mario, basically, and then to the more modern look uh, that they have of the Mario games today. But it was still all side-scroller. There was no 3D. Okay. It was just side-scrolling. But they also, when they first introduced the game, there was a limited set of tools that you were able to use. Mm-hmm. And then slowly over the months, they would introduce, they would unlock the next batch of tools. Ah, right. And, and so people were able to kind of, you know, learn it and, and punch through and punch through and punch through. And my son did his fair share of, of that. And, you know, his first levels were, I, he would have me come and play him and I would just be like, dude, this thing's impossible because you've given me no visual clues or you've purposely made it so that it is precision jumping only, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to be able to get through this. Um, I mean, he would just throw everything in the kitchen sink. And then eventually he started kind of learning level design and, and through watching other videos and people doing stuff. But eventually he got pretty good at it. The thing is, is it still is very limited 
in terms of you can't do a full-blown Mario level like what they do today. Mm. You're still, but I think that that restraint is what allows people to achieve better success. You know, if you want the full-blown experience, go buy a Mario game, Mm. you know, uh, in, but hey, how about working within the limitations that they're they're giving you instead, and see what you can do? And, and it's amazing how creative people have gotten. Uh, oh yeah, found some amazing and stuff like that. There. So yeah, so that's that's what I would think with um, you know, it's, it's kind of the difference between if you were to play, say, uh, uh you know, whatever this year's Madden uh, football game is, where it's. Yeah. You know, oh, do you need to change the person's cleats to make them have better grit? You know, we're, I mean, you're getting to just insane levels of detail mm. uh, to play the game, as opposed to if you just did a very basic football game that anybody can pop into and have, you know, a blast playing. Uh, which those yeah. games are few and far between now, whereas back in the day they used to be very common. So, I think the same thing would need to be applied with pinball. We already have the full blown arcade experiences, whether it be Zen, yeah, whether it be TPA. We don't need that. Make it something an editor that is just intuitive and fun to use. Uh, yeah, I'd, and I'd be down with having a go at that. Like, even if it was just limited to just single level play fields, right? Like, you could do, you could go back and have a look at some tables that you you enjoy playing at a single level, and then just sort of use those as sort of like a, a canvas and experiment. From there, if you're really interested in working out the feel getting a feel of the table and understanding what design is all about and it would be it would be good because you might end up with a design that sort of well let's be serious most pinball tables and pinball designers did exactly that in the 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 olden days of pinball like they just took a game and just made minor tweaks to it and there's some debate out there at the moment that Stern are doing that exact same thing right now <laughs> with some of their uh, recent releases. There, there's a, an accusation of copy-paste um, design going on at Stern. Right. At so, you know, this is not an unusual thing. So you translate that into someone just like a, a home enthusiast doing it. And there's potential there to actually have a lot of fun. Like I'm already thinking, you know, you could make basically you could actually replicate something like a bingo machine just by putting a whole lot of sources on the table and just making like a matrix like that and then linking the game in. Like there's so many different things you could do. Yeah, I mean, I do think that you would have to go a little bit beyond uh, a single level EM style table because for me, I'm a ramp person. I like ramps and I like <laughs> habit trails and I would want to have those all over the place. So um, I think that there's there's... But maybe you make it so that you have to successfully, you know, make uh, in terms of making it a game, if you will, that you have to successfully design a playfield that meets cer- that may meet certain parameters before you unlock the next thing. Yeah, I definitely be, think that now you're able to, to now you're able to add in this, this, and this. Um, you know, so that you can actually learn. You would need to be. You would need to be. Um, it would need to be walked through. Otherwise, the potential for frustration would be huge. You would and really in essence, that is what Little Big Planet did do that in terms of as you played each level, when you finished the level, that would unlock the toys from that level for you to then use in your building. You didn't uh-huh. just get total access to everything. You had to go through each level and play it before you were allowed access to that tool so that you would somewhat understand it. Um, you know, and, and right. how it could, how to interact with it. Uh, so I think that would be a fair a fair thing to, to yeah, do. That, that would work pretty well. But I don't know. Well, I've got. Uh, a, I love um, how we're completely speculating about what you should do for a pinball editing game that Farsight uh, could make when there's absolutely no intention of anybody actually doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, it's it's a lovely pipe dream, but this. Because it is, because of its technical complexity, and to make it something that's really good, you would need someone like Farsight with the asset library that they have, yeah, to do it. But yeah, the chances are that this would make very little money at all. Because <laughs> unless you had unless you had the concept of including, say, five tables with the package that are completely done, so that someone could just pick it up and play it, and maybe that would be it for them. That would be the only thing you you would do 
uh, you could actually sell it on. And then the the editor is almost like so. We'll get you started with these five tables. You can use these as a template to to adapt if you want. Um, but there would you would really need to think about the economics of it because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an easy sell to do it well and make money off it. It's almost like well, it, it could unfortunately it could be a DLC rich. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, would you like to unlock pop bumpers? That'll be one dollar ninety nine. Oh man. <laughs> Just imagine the nickel and diamond you could do. Oh, you oh, want star right. targets? You want star rollovers? Oh, well, that'll be 99 cents. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you want spinners? Classic Stern style? Well, that's going to be $8. <laughs> I was going to say thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing a massive price jump on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah, you could you could totally make this a horrible experience for gamers if you wanted to. But, you know, <laughs> It's it is fun to explore the idea because you know that the really it comes down to this though like there are people who enjoy pinball and then there's a minute subset of those people who would actually want to go you know what I want to have a go at building a table so there's the the five percent of the market who like pinball and then there's the point one percent of the market that would like to build a table using an editor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I mean, you, you think about just even the real uh, uh, pinball world with uh, collectors. There are those that enjoy restoring machines, and the second they have it restored, sell it so yeah. they can then restore another machine. There are others that want no part of maintenance and just want to play the things. And yeah, then and there's those that are, yeah. right, and then there's everybody in between, you know, kind of thing mm -hmm. where it's you know they enjoy. enjoy variations of all aspects so yeah i mean it's it's kind of kind of bonkers what could be what can be out there oh definitely so hey um, let's uh yeah okay go ahead i was gonna say i have a, a quick machine update um on oh, okay, Star Race. Yes. so i decided to just have a week off work this week um and uh it was because kim was starting in a new job and it was the start of school and i thought well i could try working from home during that week, but I already feel like it would be disrupted being the first week back at school. And so I thought, well, no, I'll take a, a week off. It was a short week because it was Australia Day yesterday, um, or sorry, on uh, Friday. So um, I thought, cool, I'm just gonna spend this week, my goal for this week is to get everything painted and to the point where I could stand it up on its legs. And the long and short of it is I nearly got there um <laughs> the only thing that i need to do is turn the machine on its head and paint the back um, before i can put the the legs on because of course i could just paint the back with the legs on but then i have these voids of unpainted right. bog basically and that look gross so i want to just turn the thing on its head paint the back and then i am ready to put this thing up on its legs um a few little i've been i decided this week during the process to actually make short videos um, of uh, the restoration process and the little tricks that I use to get the table to where it is now um, this week. So if you want to check those out, you can go to my YouTube channel and um, they're about two or three minutes each and I put them into a playlist. So you can just go and watch the playlist and you'll see where I started and where I got to at the end. So it's an interesting journey that I went on this week and I'll I'll probably actually continue to do that as I go through and move through the different restoration stages of the table, kind of kicking myself I didn't do it earlier um, and do it when I was making gussets and like bulking up the whole <laughs> table and doing the really nasty work on this thing to make it look like it is. The other thing I learned too is that uh, I, I repainted the cabinet and I just went straight over the decals, not the decals, the stencils, because um, it would have been impossible to actually cut into them. Um, but I found out that I used the wrong type of paint and uh, I use basically a wall paint, just like you would paint your house with. And um, apparently that wasn't the right choice, according to the bloke at Bunnings um, that I spoke to. I should have used like a full-on enamel paint, and it was an acrylic water base. I used I should use like enamel, and it should have been this particular type. And I went, hmm, whatever, it's done now. So I said, so what can I do? Like, it's done. I'm not stripping off the paint. So what can I do now to actually make it a bit stronger? He goes, oh, well, you can just put this this essentially lacquer over the top of it, and that'll actually okay. give the paint a bit of strength. And I've got to say, it's it's come out real nice. It looks 
very shiny, quite gloss. Um, and it's toughened up the surface because before, like when I was moving the, the head box around and stuff like that, I, I turned the head box on its side and then when I put it back up again, I noticed there was a bit of scuffing on the paint. I went, well, that's not a good sign. Um, but I haven't done that since with the with the varnish on the top, but I think it'll be a lot more hard wearing now. So it's good. Yeah, making progress. Cool. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting the, the play field back in it and then starting to work on that. Right. Um, and making the call whether I, I go down and get a spray can of clear coat and go down the <laughs> rabbit hole with that. I'm kind of thinking about that I might. I don't know. I'll just have yeah. to wait and see. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it will reveal itself as it did for you when you start to um, get down to the nuts and bolts of yeah, it. Yeah, just don't do what I did and uh, you know, then spend four years thinking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be happening. Um, uh, other business to take care of before we uh, wrap up the show. Uh, if you have not checked out our new site, uh, why don't you do so? All you have to do is type in blockadepinball.com forward slash episodes. That'll get you straight to where the site is. And from there, you can navigate to whatever you want to uh, look at. Uh, mm. With the site, I've uh, just started posting reviews also of the things I go and see. So you'll be seeing a lot more of those. And Jared is thinking of uh, starting up the, like he mentioned earlier, starting up the Google Play pinball mm. uh, adventures that he, that he seeks out and doing little mini reviews of those. Uh, I've already got a number of games queued up for that little venture. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's some surprises around the corner there that you guys can look forward to. So there's that. Make sure you follow the show at Blockade on Twitter or follow me and Jared. I am at Shut Your Traps. He is at Jared Morgs. You can also fire off an email to us uh, if you have any uh, questions, suggestions, comments, what have you. Uh, we love seeing them. Blah, blah, blockade at gmail.com do that wizardamusement.com the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods easy to install totally unique mention blockade podcast for 10% off your order wizardamusement.com sales restoration customization don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that blockade is delivered to we can't improve unless you tell us how now stop listening and play some pinball. Okay, my last little bit, because uh, it's one of these things that I see it all the time, and this particular one kind of sent me over the edge. But uh, right. you come across those clickbait uh, things on Facebook where it's an article, oh, yeah. and you go, mm, I know better than to click on this because I know it's clickbait, but darn it, I want to see what they have to say. And then you click it, and you kick yourself for even doing this because... Either it's one of those things where the image that they showed you that got you interested in the first place is nowhere to be found <laughs> in the 20 pages that it had you click through, mm-hmm. or you get some of the sloppiest, ill-written material you've ever come across. Yeah, so usually the latter. Usually the latter. So the, the one that I just came across, it was uh, something regarding why you should think twice about buying a Tesla. As oh, if right. I can buy a Tesla, but I still really enjoy the idea of a Tesla and would love to own one. Yeah. Well, this person, and, and it was literally each point was a paragraph long, and then you had to click next to go to the next page because that's, that's why we call it clickbait because then they're able to say, hey, I've gotten so many clicks on my site. Well, the person started off with the things that just drive me stupid with when people complain about electric, uh, specifically a Tesla, which is, you know, you're, you, you got to charge it. And if you run out of charge, you can't just call AAA and have them, you know, give you some gas. It's like, yeah, no, duh. And the whole point of this car is that it has 250 plus miles of travel. And so the guy's sitting there saying, you know, if you're, if you're traveling long distances, well, if you're doing a normal commute, I doubt that you're traveling more than a hundred miles in mm-hmm. round trip, let alone one way. And exactly. even if you are, you're still fine. Um, yeah. If you're going on a long vacation drive, then you're probably going to be planning out your route anyway. You're not just going to be randomly driving. So yeah. And then if the guy had it and he goes, because the charging stations are hard to find. Well, if he had done any 
even remote research, you would know that the cars are built in with a little thing that tells you where the next charging station is and how far it is. Yeah. And specifically, if you're running low on charge, that you might want to think about pulling well. in. <laughs> well, it'll reroute you to, you'll go, you're low on charge. You need to go here now so you can yeah. actually keep driving. Yeah. And in terms of, and, and this is all related to this article is written for people that here here in the United States. So forgive me if it's different for Europe, but the guy who's saying that, uh, you know, that there was a lack of charging stations. Well, the mere fact that you can drive anywhere in the United States all the way across the United States and find charging stations the entire way pretty much tells you the story. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> okay. So you, it, this is not just a limited to, you know, the, the big built up areas of the U S no. you can, you can go coast to coast in a Tesla. Yes. Right. Yes. And not just know, Elon east Musk, west. Elon Musk. No, not, and not just east to west. You can go north and south, east, west, you know, whatever direction you want to go. In. So there was that. Right. Then the guy, then the guy, uh, states and he goes, he goes, you're going to go through the tire or you don't get much life on the tires. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is interesting. Well, the first thing he points out, Oh, the first thing he pointed out was there's no spare tire. Okay. A lot of cars don't have spare tires. My mini Cooper didn't have a spare tire. Now my mini Cooper ran on run flats. So there was that. Okay. And he said that these cars don't run on run flats. Okay, fine. There is that threat of having a blowout and then you're screwed. But after driving my Cooper for nine years, I think I only had one blowout and it was easily resolved. So I would think that if you own a Tesla, they have like roadside assist anyhow, don't they? And they have, yes, they do. They do. And again, this guy is not very well informed. It was really easy to to tell. But so then he goes, oh, and you're going to burn through tires fast. He goes, because you know, if you're stomping on those zero to 60 in an electric car, well, what do you think happens if you do that in your Dodge Hellcat? Yeah, you're going to burn a lot of rubber. I'm yes. sorry. You're going to go through it, okay? You're going to smoke yeah. them. If you're the idiot that's constantly smoking tires, I don't care what tire you have on there, you're going to go through them fast. But then he, where he goes, you're going to maybe only get 40,000 to 50,000 miles on a tire. That seems um, fine. That's per, that's standard. <laughs> that's not that's like a standard tire fine. to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, then he, <laughs> and then he says, Oh, and they're really difficult to drive in the snow. Well, it's not a snow car. <laughs> it's it's not a four-wheel drive. Everybody has problems driving in the snow. And he and his whole thing was cuz that's going to cost you another $2,000 to get uh, uh snow tires. But again, anybody that lives in the snow has their winter tires. They're going to have to pay for <sighs> just drives me bonkers. When mouth breathing are, idiots, right. man. So, so then the one that and I, I unfortunately I only got about eight pages into this twenty-five page clickbait thing. The senses, hopefully. Well, because it said twenty-five points, and so I only got to like eight. But when he said he goes part of the snow driving thing, he was like, because you might get the the snow might send you sideways, and then you you might roll the car. Here's mm. the thing about a Tesla. When they put it through the testing factory, you know, for uh, safety testing, mm-hmm. they could not roll the car because the center of gravity is so low because of all the weight of the battery, which is down yeah. at the bottom of the pan. They had to falsify the manner with which to roll the car. Like they had to put <laughs> out an, absolute, an actual obstacle for it to slam up against and then something to propel it upwards so that it would roll. Right. <laughs> to actually do the roll, roll test. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They could not make it roll in the standard fashion that they would be able to do any other vehicle. So clearly this guy had no clue what he was talking about. And that was when I was like, I'm done. I hate the way these people, but it just makes me go, who is paying? I don't know. Can I get that job? Because clearly you don't have to be running absolute drivel remotely any thing of a writer. So what happens if you get somebody that actually has aspirations of doing good writing? I don't know. Well, then they're not a clickbait writer because then they're not a clickbait writer. Yeah, that's exactly it. They actually make sense and um, <laughs> they, they, they do their research, which is not what a clickbait writer is about. A clickbait yeah. writer is sensationalistic writing so that you go onto their website and they get the ad imprints. That's what a clickbait yeah. writer is all about. So, so I, you're in I the wrong really game. 
I, I hate it because, I'll, like I said, I'll be going through, and it's as we started the show with the YouTube rabbit hole. I feel it's the same kind of rabbit hole, but I'm able to avoid it for the most part. But now and then I'll come across one of these where I'm like, I'm going to hate myself for clicking this, but I'm curious. I'm going to hate mm. myself. And sometimes it's actually been a normal article. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked. Hey, that was, I'm glad I clicked on it. But nine times out of 10, man, you click on it and you're just going, oh, God damn it. Uh, I've just given <laughs> this joker eight pages of ad imprints. Right. At, right. At pure hatred. You know. And then, of course, because you clicked it the next time you go onto Facebook, it goes, oh, you like these, don't you? It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and, it gives you, and it gives you more. You're like, no, go away. I'm sorry. Is it, there should be like an apology button instead of a like button. You know, an yeah. apology button. You go, I'm sorry for clicking that. Please never make me click on those again. <laughs> please, please stop it. No, it, it, like there should be, this was a mistake. <laughs> this was <laughs> a mistake. Mulligan. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Uh, could I have a do-over on this link, please? Because th this was not really meant to be. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, okay, gang. So as as you can tell, we didn't have a... Well, we actually milked out some pinball there with a little... Yeah, we got, uh, some, yeah, we got some. See, we, we managed to do it somehow, folks. But uh, next week, promise to the Billy, actually, there actually be something to talk about. As like I said, Sorcerer will be coming out and we'll have the uh, newsletter and we can talk about what the next table that will be coming out is going to be and who knows i might even have the pimple up on lakes then you, you might you might we'll see all right so that's the show for this week folks thanks for listening and we'll catch you all again next time on the blockade pinball podcast bye-bye